the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us every Saturday night here on AM 1280 The Patriot at 6 o'clock, where K-12 education is the playing field. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, so rightly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next I'm Mark Durkin. I'm joined by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln's truthful statement, it's ringing louder with each passing year. And here in Minnesota, there's a concerted effort underway from Governor Waltz's administration to forever link racial identity with America's history. We're talking about the Minnesota Department of Education's proposal to replace the current social studies standards for K-12 through students. Yes. I'm losing my voice already. I haven't even opened my mouth. Um, Joining us tonight uh, to help us understand how the social studies standards are changing and who was involved in making those changes are Catherine Kirsten and Katrin Wigfall. Catherine Kirsten is a senior policy fellow at the Center of the American Experiment. She also is a writer, attorney, and has served as Metro columnist for the Star Tribune from 2005 to 2008. She has also served as an opinion columnist for the paper between 1996 and 2013. Catherine was a founding director of the center and served as its chair from 96 to 98. And our other guest, Catherine Wigfall, is a policy fellow at Center of the American Experiment. She's also the director of Educated Teachers Minnesota in Employee Freedom Minnesota. Catherine spent two years teaching fifth grade general education and sixth grade Latin in Arizona as a Teach for America Corps member before using her class from experience to transition back into the all-important education policy work. Catherine and Katrin, thank you both so much for joining us tonight to discuss this timely and urgent topic. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yep, we're, we're glad to have you. And Katrin, I didn't remember that you had been a Teach for America uh, core member, and uh, that is just a great, I'm, I'm really impressed with that organization. Sometime we'll have to talk offline about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Um, well, Catherine, you have uh, written, actually, you both have written extensively about the state of Minnesota's original statewide social studies standards, and they were first approved by the legislature back in 2014, or sorry, 2004. Um, can you provide some context here in terms of what the standards originally looked like. How would you describe the primary purpose of the original social studies standards and then what was expected? Yes, uh, these standards were part of the national standards movement, which 
began around that time. <clears throat> and the original social studies standards uh, took what we call a warts and all approach to American history, you know, mm-hmm. looking at at uh, some of the, the shortcomings as well as, you know, the wonderful things that uh, we find in America's past. But the, the primary purpose of the original standards, which were passed by the legislature, was uh, to, to make sure that students got the knowledge and skills necessary to, and I'm quoting here, uh, protect and maintain freedom in a nation built by individuals united in an ongoing quest for liberty, freedom, justice, Mm. and opportunity. So this was the focus, and uh, it was critical in in the the original thinking behind the standards that students understand the the real story of our democracy, Um, the the key events and actors and ideas, uh, both in America and larger world. So say when it came to World War II, students had to know lots of details about people in the leaders like like Hitler and and Churchill, the Lend-Lease program, the the Holocaust, the Nuremberg trials, etc. So that that was the original vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to imagine that only not even 20 years ago, um, the, the, va- the, the real potential, um, or not the potential, excuse me, I'm having trouble talking today, um, but the real goal of these standards was truly to develop a sense of understanding of how to maintain freedom in our country. And Precisely. less than 20 years later, um, that goal has changed dramatically. Right. We're gonna um, and we're going to talk get into about that, that in a little bit. And, yes. you know, what you hear uh, coming from Catherine here is that just as recently as these last 20 years, there was the approach that those who don't know history will be doomed to repeat it. And so there was a safeguard of trying to protect against that. Right. Which, unfortunately, the rails are coming off in that mm-hmm. uh, that, that yes, mindset. The goals so. have changed, unfortunately. Absolutely. Catherine, Minnesota's current social study standards were drafted back in 2011, 10 years ago. And the approach taken is similar to the approach that was adopted back in 2004. Uh, you know, during these original standards, there was wide support for a group known as the Education for Democracy Project. Explain for our listeners who some of the surprise supporters were behind this effort and what were the goals behind the project? Right. And th- this uh, goes to Rebecca's point about how how broad the understanding was uh, at right. that time that citizenship and, and uh, preserving our democracy should be at the heart of civic education. So Education for, de- for Democracy was a project of the American Federation of Teachers uh, at this time. And uh, the people who signed on included uh, former President Bill Clinton, Senator Edward Kennedy. Believe it or not, the president of the uh, the NEA, the National Education Association, and the NAACP. And the, the report stated, uh, and I quote here, as citizens of a democratic republic, we are part of the noblest effort in history. Our children must learn and we must teach them the knowledge, values, and habits that will best protect and extend this precious heritage. Yeah. Wonderful words back then. Wonderful words. And organizations that, you know, Probably today, I mean, not to stereotype, but they probably wouldn't support such a project here 20 years later. I think no question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no question. Um, Katrin, let's fast forward to December 2020. And the two of you have written that the Walls administration's proposed standards take a very different stance. What does this administration see as the purpose of social studies education? I think you're going to say it's changed quite a bit. It, it definitely <laughs> has changed quite a bit. I mean, we go from 
a time in 2004 where social studies education was stated that it would help students understand how much courage and sacrifice it has taken to win and keep liberty and justice in this country, to now a purpose that focuses on social studies preparing students, and I'm quoting, to be conscious and critical of their own biases and those of larger society, and to prepare students to address powerful social, cultural, and political inequities and their connections to what the Minnesota Department of Education calls axes of stratification, such as gender, race, class, sexuality, and legal status. So, again, a very limiting perspective on history and how students view themselves in society and the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And really at the core is, as we've been discussing, critical theory of all kinds, not just critical race theory. And the fact that they, you know, even use the word critical, they want them to look at things through a critical lens from all these different perspectives. And um, I remember Catherine, one time when we were talking about social study standards, the new ones um, that are proposed, you said, even if they add back in the Holocaust and some of these other things, the, the real problem is that at its core, it's based in critical race theory. And that that is really going to come through in the way they teach all of history. Precisely. That's, that's the central problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, takes a, it takes a race-based lens approach, identity-based lens approach to study everything in social studies. So everything from history, geography, economics, and citizenship. And mm-hmm. it's a very limiting perspective to impose on our students. Right. Limiting, but also very subjective. I mean, mm-hmm. at what point do you start to measure objectionable truth? Right. But, you know, mm-hmm. so. right. Mm-hmm. You know uh, Kathy, let's start with you here. In an attempt to provide further context, we mentioned you know, at the top of the show that the original standards, they were passed by the legislature in 2004. Well, the legislature, what people may not know, is no longer involved in the process of either drafting or voting on proposed standards. When was the legislature removed from the process? And if you could share with our listeners a little bit about the Social Studies Standards Committee, the group that has been appointed by Governor Waltz now facilitating the drafting of these standards. Sure. So I was actually uh, very much around at that time and was somewhat involved in this very deliberate process that was followed when the standards were drafted. There was huge uh, discussion across the states, all kinds of people involved. Uh, and what came out of this was was very positive. Uh, but the problem, I think, was that the initial uh, enabling legislation here uh, basically assumed that legislature had done its job uh, at that time by putting the standards together with such care, so many committees, etc. So uh, the legislature itself uh, basically created a process uh, going forward in, in which they would no longer be involved. They they envisioned these uh, revisions every 10 years, but thought that, that the standards would basically be tweaked a bit here and there and really uh, didn't understand that there could be wholesale transformation under the, the sort of uh, umbrella of, mm-hmm. of revision. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is this is no longer uh, something that the legislature, unless of course they should pass new legislation, uh, really has any any direct involvement in. But I think Catherine will will describe uh, the, the current committee making the changes we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great to hear about that, Catherine. 
Yeah, the committee makeup really shines a light on why we're seeing the current standards being pushed in their current form, the revisions being pushed in their current form. And so this process all started back in March of 2020. There was an application period from March to June, to the end of June, I believe. And this application period was open for Minnesotans to apply to be on the standards committee. So whether or not they knew they had that opportunity uh, is unknown, but they could apply. Uh, And then in July, Governor Walz's then Commissioner of Education, Mary Catherine Ricker, handpicked 44 committee members. And we have state statute in place that says that the commissioner has to select from a variety of representative groups. So educators, tribe members, school administrators, school board members, parents, business community members. But when we look at the makeup of the Social Studies Standards Committee that drafted the first standards released in early December 2020, we see that a lot of these voices appear to be missing Mm -hmm. from the Standards Committee. And a good portion of those selected by the commissioner, by Governor Tim Walz's MDE, really represents uh, liberal groups fighting mm-hmm. for their version of equity. Mm-hmm. And almost 20% of the original committee were representatives of Native American tribes or organizations. So mm-hmm. obviously their voice plays a role and matters. But when you think of other people groups and other representatives whose voices aren't reflected on the committee, that becomes concerning. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I are there any parents at all or any any uh, K-12 teachers, social studies teachers, do you know? There are K-12 teachers, and there aren't parents necessarily just who are representing themselves as parents. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, there's probably some overlap with teachers who are parents or higher education individuals who are parents and that sort of thing. But as far as, you know, parents just representing themselves mm-hmm. as parents, and even business community members right. and, and school board members, we see that those voices are, are largely missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and as a result of uh, the really some pretty significant bias in this committee, um, we know then from uh, the, that the Minnesota Department of Education drafters, they really reject the very notion of historical evidence-based truth. So, Catherine, how do those currently proposing the standards actually view history? Well, it, it is uh, the, the view of uh, critical theorists. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, they believe there is no historical evidence-based truth. Uh, it's all about subjective competing narratives that are assumed to reflect the race, uh, the sexuality, etc., of uh, the individual in question. So uh, it, they view history really as nothing more than a power struggle, a zero-sum mm. power struggle. If this is a, you know, a neo-Marxist view in which interest groups push for their narratives, and they, they basically view now Minnesota's history classrooms as a kind of racial spoil system. Mm. So when we listen to uh, committee member Jonathan Hamilton, for example, professor at, at McAllister, uh, 
This is what we hear. He has called for elimination in our standards of what he calls Minnesota's Eurocentric whitewashed curriculum. Wow. He says white supremacy permeates all American institutions and it is promoted uh, in our classrooms and that has got to end. Hmm. Uh, then there is a committee member, Jose Alvilar, who is an education justice organizer at Navigate Minnesota, which describes itself as a, quote, intersectional women, queer, Latinx-led organization committed to social justice. And he he recites the usual, uh, you know, stereotypes of a Eurocentric pedagogy, uh, et cetera, et cetera, says that the new standards must change the thinking of uh, of Minnesota students in order to reflect this worldview, essentially. Unbelievable. You know, when you think back to 2004, these people wouldn't even be qualified, especially that second one, Jose, wouldn't even be qualified to serve on the Standards Committee because there's no understanding of history. It's all just social justice that he, that's his only reason for even being on the committee. And here's the thing, too, that's really scary about it, is the fact that with all of these various perspectives that people are wanting to bring forth, you would think that that would stimulate conversation in terms of the free exchange of ideas, but that's being shut down. Mm -hmm. Well, and I don't don't know, um, Catherine, especially you, I think, are the one that knows a little bit, maybe you both know a lot about this committee, but I understand, I watched one of their meetings back in April, and they had somebody leading the whole meeting that was a consultant who was trained in critical theory. So it's almost like even yeah. if there was a, con- a, mm-hmm. a a viewpoint on that committee that was trying to have the standards work towards teaching freedom and um, you know our, our true historical heritage um, based in Judeo-Christian thinking and that type of thing, um, it seems that that consultant was hired to kind of <laughs> herd the cats and make sure that they all end up in a certain position by the end. What, what do you know or think about that? Yeah, the, the role of the consultant is very uh, eyebrow-raising, right? Yes. And I have actually done a data practices request to the Department of Ed asking for the uh, the negotiation, the contract between the consultant and the Department of Ed and communication between the Department of Ed and the consultant oh, that's to identify how this consultant was, was even picked or why the MDE reached out to this consultant. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be very eye-opening mm-hmm. because we, we saw after the committee's first meeting in January, which this consultant was not a part of, this was the committee meeting that uh, I actually recorded and we released audio recordings of it because the, the committee asked if uh, thousands of feedback and comments from Minnesotans submitted through American Experiments Raise Our Standards campaign, if they should just be deleted. Um, that question was raised. The Department of Education academic director labeled the concerns that we identified in the first draft as white supremacy language without, of course, 
specifically noting what that language was. So mm-hmm. after that first meeting and and how the the things that the committee said were then made public through these recordings, I think the Department of Ed, uh, I don't know if they got nervous about how they were talking about these issues and, and feedback and that sort of thing, but then every meeting after that has involved this consultant. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to find out more behind that because okay. it is it is very puzzling and mm-hmm. I'm sure they're uh, spending a good deal of money for, for her to uh, kind of do the do the different committee meetings and, and make sure mm-hmm. that they flow a certain way and that certain co- topics are covered and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, that was the impression that I got. So I'll be very interested. Maybe we'll have you all back when you get that information. <laughs> uh, you know, both of you have written to that another committee member uh, by the name of Aliyah Hodge. She's a senior consultant for Center of School Change and founding president of People for Post-Secondary Enrollment Options. She has stated that the new standards are merely the first step in a larger campaign. What exactly is the big picture that committee members like Hodge are are seeking to implement on behalf of the Waltz administration? We'll start with you, Katrin. Well, this goes back to what Kathy mentioned, too, about uh, Jonathan and and Jose and and what they have shared. And it's really all focused on uprooting what is seen as this Euro-American narrative, this Euro-American way of teaching history, a whitewashed version of history that Aaliyah as and I quote, sanitizes colonialism and the historical racist roots of our country. Mm-hmm. And so I think the big picture goal is to really make race the lens through which all of America's past and present is viewed through. Mm-hmm. The idea of systemic racism comes up often. And so we're really seeing the this this race lens being the driving force behind not only these social studies standards, but even just broader K-12 education efforts and broader efforts, too, within society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, we've talked about this before, too, how just how incredibly divisive that is. And so not only is it a problem in the sense that the kids aren't getting a true view of history, mm-hmm. um, but they're also being divided along racial lines. And I think we've probably all heard this young man who spoke, I think, at the Apple Valley, Rosemont Apple Valley board meeting. Rosemont, where he, yeah. Was it Rosemont? Where he said, you know, I never used to think about race, but now it's one of the first things I think about when I see another individual and you know he really he he was pained by that 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 all the efforts that the school is doing to um propose or to promote critical race theory is actually causing more division mm-hmm. and no free exchange of ideas and that's no, the problem exactly yes um, so, Catherine, what is the Minnesota Department of Education's line of reasoning in advancing these types of revisions to the standards? Well, uh, I think you've you've touched on it. It really is about replacing history as the the primary topic in social studies with so-called identity. Starting literally in kindergarten and first grade, kids are are taught over and over that they must explore their identity, that it is, it is um, tied just as, as tightly as possible to their race and other uh, 
so-called axes of stratification. And you see this in the fact that instead of chronological historical periods, for the first time, our social studies standards, according to this version, will be organized uh, in terms of five tenets of progressive ideology, all about understanding identity, gender, but et cetera, et cetera. And when you look at racial identity politics uh, carefully, you see that this is all directly opposed to Dr. Martin Luther King's vision of the world, the, mm-hmm. the, the vision behind America's very successful civil rights movement. That is that it's it is not character, as Dr. King said, that should be uh, the measure of an individual, but that person's skin color. We know mm-hmm. their skin color. We know how they think. We know who they are. That's mm-hmm. all we need to know. This is what Amer- uh, Minnesota students will be learning going forward if the Walt administration is uh, successful. Such a shame. And just building uh, on what uh, Catherine was saying, Catherine, let's let's really give Minnesota parents an idea here of what a classroom will specifically look and sound like if the standards are implemented. What uh, should our listeners know in terms of some of the particulars as it pertains to what is in and what is out in the committee's first draft in revising the social studies standards? Yeah, absolutely. Now, it is important to note this is a first draft, obviously, so it's not complete, but it's still concerning what the committee uh, decided to leave out and what they decided to include. So we see that there are missing benchmarks on the timeline of the major events, causes of the wars, turning points of the wars for the American Revolution, the Civil War, World Wars One and Two. There's no reference to the Holocaust, so they do reference the genocide of indigenous peoples, but the largest act of genocide in the 20th century is not mentioned. There are no references to the Nazi regime or to Jews. Uh, Socialism and communism aren't referenced as they are in the current standards. But high schoolers will learn that 19th century westward expansion in America is a disgraceful example of whiteness, Christianity, and capitalism. Mm. So we see a lot of content missing, a lot of content watered down, and then, of course, the addition of content that's concerning, whether that is a focus on identity politics and systemic racism um, and that sort of thing. But then also... A lot of feedback from Minnesotans had voiced concern over this missing content, and the officials have walked back the significance of the first draft. They have said that, well, of course, students will continue to learn about the World Wars, the Civil War, etc. The first draft just focused on standards instead of benchmarks and was about additions and revisions under consideration. But even so, uh, over half of the included benchmarks in the first draft were just pulled from the current standards in place without any additions or revisions. So it is a bit puzzling how the committee chose what content would be included and what wouldn't be included. So mm-hmm. we'll see what the second draft looks like. Yeah. And, and Catherine, do you know when that second draft uh, will be released? I know there's supposed to be kind of a, a heads up too to let people know. I think it's a week before the standards is released. Is that correct? Yes. So we don't have a specific date. The okay. Department of Education has said late, you know, sometime this summer. They did say they will give a seven-day advance notice 
notice, and then that will be paired with a three-week public comment period. But I think it's important for listeners to know that the second draft was expected to be released in February. Oh, wow. Mm. And so a lot of effort, I think largely in part because of Minnesotans and, and the effort that they put into responding to this first draft, has really slowed down the revision process. And we were even supposed to have a third draft the end of May. So we're seeing now the Department of Ed you know, really slowing everything down. I think they were caught off guard by how many Minnesotans voiced feedback and, and sounded the alarm. I don't know if they were just anticipating kind of slipping this through and, mm-hmm. and, not, and it not getting much attention. Um, so they, they have been careful about dates and, and, and making uh, commitments to when certain drafts will be released. But we are on the lookout for that second draft sometime this summer. Wonderful. Well, on that note, we are really out of time here tonight. So we are going to pick this conversation up with both Katrin and Catherine again next week on our wonderful show, Education America, 6 p.m. at AM 1280 The Patriot. And we hope that you'll take the time to go listen to our podcast. Uh, you can go to our website called savetheclassroom.com, savetheclassroom.com, and listen to this podcast and all other podcasts along with finding lots of materials. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we look forward to being able to continue this conversation. It's been a wonderful conversation. Very important. Very timely. A very important conversation. Thank you, Katrin. Thank you, Catherine. And we'll see you next week.